We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Welcome back to 10 Questions. I really hope you're enjoying the comedy showroom on the ABC, which is screening six new comedy pilots by some of Australia's funniest film and TV folk. In celebration of the showroom, I'm trying to interview a key creative from each of the pilots. Last week, I spoke to Ronnie Cheng. This week, I'm talking to Sarah Scheller, who created The Letdown with Alison Bell. It screens on Wednesday, May 4 at 9pm. The Letdown is a beautiful, hilarious, heartwarming and honest depiction of motherhood. Obviously, I'm not a mother, but it feels super real, and I think it'll make a lot of parents feel less alone. Sarah is a journalist turned screenwriter. She's written for Harper's Bazaar, the SMH, The Guardian, and Yen Magazine. Before moving into television and contributing to The Elegant Gentleman's Guide to Knife Fighting and No Activity. She lives in Los Angeles with her two children, Frankie, who is seven, and Henry, who is six, and her husband, Trent O'Donnell, creator of the Moody's and Review with Miles Barlow. Trent's also an executive producer on New Girl, and he did a fantastic job directing The Letdown. So as usual, I started by asking Sarah when she was most happy. Oh, I, I reckon in terms of when I was last most happy was probably Sunday morning, um, and that would be because we have a little ritual that involves um, the New York Times pancakes and coffee, yes. and um, happiness for, happiness and caffeine for me are inexplicably linked, <laughs> so coffee, coffee happy, no coffee, angry and sad, <laughs> and Trent sort of feels the same way. So, yeah, yeah so we have this little ritual that, that normally works in that we ask um, Henry, Henry's responsibilities to go and get the paper. Yep. And he um, he refuses uh, always, and then we end up bribing him. Um, Trent and I usually argue about whose turn it is to go and turn the grinder on and make the coffee. And at the moment, it's fallen to me because rugby league season has commenced. Yep. So he's usually watching a game live on his laptop. Um, and then Frankie will insist on making pancakes. So that usually ends in tears when she drops. Um, you know, a carton of eggs or uses all the milk in the in the pancakes, leaving us none for coffee. So, you know, it sounds terrible, but it's actually always quite lovely. Yeah, especially. <laughs> and, um, and this Sunday was incredibly blissful, so it was nice. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. So you actually do end up eating pancakes at the end. We do. Yeah, we do. We do. We have our coffee and then we have pancakes and then we have another coffee. And then we've realised that the, probably the next step for us is to teach Frankie how to operate the espresso machine. And I think that she's getting very close to that. So <laughs> that'll bring a whole new element of happiness to Sunday mornings. Yeah. You, you guys will have, yeah. you'll have the New York Times. Trent will have rugby league. It'll be perfect. I know. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I reckon with, uh, my collaborative process with Alison has brought me a lot of happiness as well. Um, we spent a lot of time recently when she was here in LA, you know, drinking coffee together and plotting and talking and, and we had a lot of those sort of golden moments where we break a storyline or, you know, come up with something truly funny and, and that makes me very happy. Mm. And, um, we're very quick to commend ourselves and, you know, we might email each other later and say, you know, God, that, that was such a good session. Like, oh, we're so funny. <laughs> that's good. That's really and good. And so, yeah. So, yeah, that's, good. that's brought me a lot of joy. Because men don't do that. Men don't really do that kind of supportive thing. I no. Yeah, I can imagine that. But, yeah, we're, we're really – it's very lovely working in a partnership with a 
with another with another lady because yeah. yeah, I do find that you were very supportive of each other. The second question is, who would you like to apologise to and why? Oh, um, gosh, I think that I should probably apologise to my daughter um, because I've sort of publicly credited her as the inspiration for the letdown a show that's essentially about the dissatisfaction with new motherhood. <laughs> so I hope she's not offended with that. Um, she shouldn't be, of course, because having her wasn't a letdown at all. Um, just, I guess, a huge transition for me, uh, and which has actually become more apparent in retrospect. I think at the time I was just struggling with the idea that I'd have to give up on my old life. Mm. Um, but I didn't at all. It just took some finessing and, and tweaking. So are you worried that when she gets the chance to like read articles about the letdown in years to come that she'll see that she's the inspiration? Or... Yeah, yeah, I think so. And we've sort of said that to her a few times and she's sort of commented on it going, but she, because she's watched it, you know, oh, but she's not happy or she doesn't seem happy with, you know, with the oh. baby. And, and yeah, <laughs> I think she gets it at all. Uh, you know, she, she totally gets it. But um, yeah. yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think I just have to, I mean, I, I totally loved, I love being a mother and I loved it when, you know, I, was, I think I was just a bit young when I first had her. Like I was 32 and I mm. wasn't quite ready for all the sacrifices that you have to make. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think that often it does fall to the female to make all those, you know, to, to do the majority of the child rearing and the household duties. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and that was fine in our situation because I was in between careers and Trent's career was really taking off. So, it, of course, it naturally it made sense. But I think that there, I was initially a little bit bitter about that and it wasn't, yeah. because it wasn't exactly where I wanted to be, you know. But then it can also be incredibly inspiring having a baby and it can lead you down other paths as it did for me. Mm. Um, but I think ultimately I just had to reconcile with those thoughts and I, and I know that I'm not a bad mother for thinking that way and it's all very natural uh, and it's kind yeah. of crazy to judge yourself at a time when everyone else is judging you as well. So that's <laughs> probably th- best not to. That's true. Um, what is your greatest regret? Um, I, I don't know. Um, apart from the obvious, like not wearing enough sunscreen as a child, um, <laughs> I reckon if I had to name something, it would probably be not studying enough in my final years of high school um, or actually not studying at all. I, I, um, I completely, totally checked out. Like it's, it's, it's such a cliche, but my parents' marriage was ending and my sister had moved overseas and I just sort of gave up. Mm. Um, and it's funny because now I can, now I can recognise how utterly consuming like marriage, marriage stuff can be when you're a parent. And I think that mine just became so focused on their marriage and then once it had dissolved, became really focused on finding a new path and their gaze just shifted. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think children just sort of re- revolt when this happens and, and it's been quite a good lesson for me. Um, but, yeah, so I think I remember like in year 11 or year 12 just sort of making a pledge to myself that I wouldn't study. And and I, I think we actually made it together. Like I think a group of us made it together, but I was the only one who kept to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of knew that I'd sort of scrape through anyway. So I just did whatever I wanted to do. Like I wasn't. I wasn't a complete punk and I wasn't sort of disruptive in class or anything, but I was just, um, I was just sort of more quietly rebellious. Like I'd lie to my parents about studying when I'd just be like listening to music and eating two minute noodles and writing depressive, morbid short stories um, and just making stuff up. Like I, I put sheep husbandry as my first university choice and just like stupid stuff. Just, just, and I kind of regret it now, but I mean, it doesn't really matter, but. You know, is that so? Your parents broke up when you what in grade eleven? 
Yeah, well, they'd sort of, I think they officially, yeah, I, I was living with Dad then, so Mum moved out, but I think they officially divorced when I'd just finished Year 12. But it was kind of, mm. it was going throughout all of high school. That's massively yeah. destabilizing, you know. Yeah, and it'll, but and also, if you have any rebellious streak in, in you, it, it, that will make it come out. Absolutely, and I think because my sister was four years older, and so she was in when I was in Year Eight, she was in Year Twelve. So she moved out of home as soon as she finished high school, and then moved overseas. So then I was kind of like left alone with my dad, who wasn't really, I don't know, he wasn't really there. And so, yeah, it was, it was a difficult time. Yes. <laughs> kind of very free as well. But yeah. um, when I look back, and I've only kind of thought about this re- recently, but I, I think that, yeah, the reason why I sort of made this stupid promise, like, no, I'm not going to study. I'm just not going to study at all, which is because I felt like there was just, there was no point to, or I didn't really have to, or there was no one watching me anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like, if you let kids be rebellious, they will be. So anyway, it's been a good lesson, I think. Well, what do you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Um, oh, gosh. Um, I, I, it's a bit smug, but I kind of feel quite satisfied at the moment. Um, I guess um, Frankie is pretty disappointed that I call myself a writer and yet I have no books in the library. <laughs> so it'd be quite nice to have, a, to have a book published at one point to make her proud because she doesn't quite understand. Well, if, you, if you're a writer, like, what, can I get a book? Where are your books? <laughs> uh... Um and also, like, I, I guess I'd like to be a little bit more active uh, in the fight for gender equality, you know, whether it's to do with pay or employment opportunities. Um, I, I think I've just been a bit of a passive bystander with all that, and I think that I, I, there might be a chance that I could actually have a small opportunity to make a change, um, you know, very small, but still. Uh, I think it's just totally unacceptable to think that last year women directed like 9% of the top 250 films in Hollywood. And I think they wrote 11%. Like, it's just appalling. Yeah. And there's, you know, the the evidence suggests that women are more likely to employ other women. So I feel like if I get the opportunity to make a series of The Letdown or if I, you know, other projects in the future, I I feel like I do do possibly have have the opportunity to, to make a small difference. Yep. And, you know, the, the weird thing is as well, there's, there's no evidence whatsoever to suggest that men make better directors, producers or writers. <laughs> no. And yet there's just so much disparity. So I just feel like things have to change. And, of course, you know, half of the film school graduates are female. So there's, it's not like there's a lack of female directors yeah. out there or writers. So, yeah, I feel like that would be satisfying to, be, to get involved with that in some way. I think that's, that's great. Yeah, like I, I, I totally agree with that transparent director, Jill Soloway, when she says that women have to be in control of their own stories and that for too long female stories have been told through the male gaze. Mm. Yeah, I think that would mm. make things more enjoyable for everybody. And who, who is the person who most influenced you and how? Um, I've, I've never really had a, a mentor figure in my life, but I guess if I'm, um, if I'm talking about career choices, it would probably be Trent. Mm. Um, he's always been very supportive of my choices and of my ability and, and just an excellent role model. Like he's got an incredible work ethic. It's not unusual for him to be up riding till midnight, even if he's been shooting all day. Um, he's just very driven and he's also been able to prioritize his work and family life pretty well. Um, yeah. And he's also taught me that it's not enough just to have great ideas. You need to implement them. Um, he's always pushing me towards that and, you know, always that they need to be real, well-rounded ideas and sort of fully formed. Like if I've got an idea for a script or a joke, he's always like, yeah, that, that's really great, but how does it end? You know, what's the ending? You need to have a, a good ending. And, you know, <laughs> always pushing a little bit harder, but it's always very constructive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of friends that I admire as well. Um, 
but yeah, generally ones that are, you know, like better mothers than me that I quietly envy, um, <laughs> you know, patient and tolerant mums and that don't swear and yell at their kids. Um, you know, all those friends that bake and make their own kimchi and, you know, I'm amazed by these women and, and also those that continue to study, like those that enrol in other degrees or courses. You know, I, I, I admire these people immensely, probably not enough to influence me, but I still admire them from yeah, afar. Absolutely. Um, when was the last time you cried and why? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a big crier. I cry at, um, I cry at anything like ads, TV, YouTube, any, any sort of audition show, like a, an idol or any, <laughs> any sort of bake-off or any, any underdog story. I'm, I'm a wreck. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, yeah. And strangely, unless there's something that happens like truly tragic in my personal life and that's when I don't cry and I sort of smile, oh. um, which is quite weird. I'm one of those strange people. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I cry. I, I cry so hard in films that I can sort of shake the whole row. And then I can, I'm that kind of person that can come out of a film that, that I've been emotionally distraught in and then just go, yeah, you know, it was okay. <laughs> like I'm still not like a film that I've been incredibly emotionally invested in. Um, but, yeah, sorry to answer your question. Last week I went and saw Gaby Baby and I had, a, I had quite a few cries in that. Um, yeah. The first was that the, one of the kids in it um, really wants to go and see the wrestling. He's, he's obsessed with that um, WWF, is it, the world... Uh, yeah, uh, oh, look, you're asking the wrong person, but I'll, I'll Google it. <laughs> yeah, like rock and roll wrestling. You know, like yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there, there was a, they were coming to Sydney and, and his mums weren't sure if they could afford the tickets. So, you know, so I cried. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, God, like, how can I send the money to ensure Gus can go to the wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then there was another scene where um, one of the Gaby girls is auditioning for Newtown School Performing Arts and one of her siblings, a little brother, keeps having these horrible seizures. And the night before the audition, he, he convulses so badly that they have to take him to the hospital. And the 12-year-old sister is apologising to her mum. And she's like, oh, you know, sorry, mum. I wish I could have had better timing with my audition. And, and it just destroyed me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. it's just, you know, stuff like that. It just gets me so upset. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with um, you. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> On those things. <laughs> Um, what's your current state of mind? Um, I have a lot of nervous energy at the moment and I think, um, that's probably because, you know, the letdown airs tomorrow night in Australia. So I'm feeling really excited about that, but also a little terrified. Um, but ultimately quite hopeful. Uh, it's been, it's been on iView for the past week, which has been, you know, really good preparation, yeah, uh, yeah. as feedback sort of been dripping through. So we've had a chance to, um, gauge interest and, and yeah, and like it seems to be resonating. So, you know, totally. that's why I'm sort of feeling hopeful, but yeah, they're quite nervous. <laughs> and I'm sure you know, you've been there before. It's so exciting. It's such an exciting mm. thing and it's, um, it's very addictive too. So you, 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 yeah, it actually I'm sure. makes you want to make more stuff, you know? Yeah, and um, and you know, once things, you know, once you only really need one good review to sort of take the um, the pressure off, and then you feel like, oh, okay, as long as somebody gets it, or you know, like if That's right. you know, just even all the comments on Facebook and everything, like it just seems to be um, people seem to be really responding to it. So yeah, it just makes you feel great, and you and it even makes you feel more prepared for bad reviews, or you know, as long as some people are happy, then. That's great. And this will make a lot of people happy. And it's also great yeah. to have that with that, that comedy with heart. There's a lot of comedy out there that's 
it's almost like you know like a, they just build straw characters and just tear them down you know it's nice to see something yeah really you know well that's so yeah so much of our motivation for it was to just um create something that was really honest mm. that was as honest as we could write really um and so that, that we still could find the humor in it but more importantly than even more important than it being funny was that it was an honest betrayal of that of that period yeah um and because we both lived through it it's um it was fairly easy to sort of tap into it mm, I, I think that's such a really that's such a good note to give yourself all the time when you're writing is this honest mm. are we being honest mm. um mm. what do you consider your greatest achievement um well obviously i'm pretty pleased with um my children but uh that's that's a work in yeah. progress <laughs> um i took them to the dentist last week and that always feels like a great achievement for yeah. a parent yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'm immensely proud of the fact that we managed to relocate to another city for a bit and that it was generally seamless and pain-free. Mm. I, there was so much to get my head around um, really quickly, like the school system and finding doctors and a house. Um, but it's all those little things that make you feel pretty good about your decision. And now Henry plays Little League and Frankie has musical theatre classes from a washed-up Broadway star. <laughs> and we go to watch the Dodgers as a family and we wear head-to-toe Dodgers gear. And so, you know, I feel like our assimilation is, is near complete. That, that's somewhat of an achievement. And I guess also, obviously, the pilot, um, the, the, just the fact that we actually made it is a huge achievement. Um, I've got so many half-baked ideas and so many half-written scripts that just sit there for a long time. Like, I'm, I'm quite a procrastinator. So to finish anything really is a huge achievement for oh, me. Totally. It's totally for anyone. I mean, you know, sometimes I think when you go into making tea, TV, that if you knew how much work was involved in the first place, would you actually do it? Well, you would, oh, but God. You, you, yeah. you don't anticipate how much work there is. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. It's years and years. I mean, yeah. yeah. Frankie's almost eight, so, you know, that gives wow. you some indication. Totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is probably my favourite question. Who would you want on your side in a battle and why? Um, well... I would like a lot of people probably, but uh, yeah, knowing how useless I am in any sort of crisis, um, I definitely want a cool, clear head, and I reckon that would be Trent. Yes. Um, he was lost overnight on a bushwalk when he was a kid, and I think that's really defined him. Oh, really? <laughs> He's quite the survivor, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not convinced that he would save me before himself, so I reckon I'd need somebody who always has my back. And, you know, somebody that would be willing to die for me. And I reckon the only person would be my father. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, he's very likely to sort of find me a safe hiding place and say, Look, you stay there and don't move. I'll handle this. And that's exactly what I do. <laughs> I just hide there and just daydream about better days. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think definitely uh, Trent and my father. <laughs> I think they'd be a good team. Yeah, um, they would be. And the last question, what would you like your last words to be? Um, well, assuming that I die in this battle you speak of, um, <laughs> it could very well be, Dad, where the fuck were you? <laughs> we have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff, we have liftoff. 